1: At luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group, void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions supply. Welcome into episode 234 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. That's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
0: Uh, I'm fantastic,
1: and I apologize if it seems like my scenery has
0: changed to a car for the last week or so, but I'm on the road scouting. Uh, We're a couple of wins from a state Final Four appearance, so I'm on the road hoping – to get some good stuff tonight so uh, we can play a game on Wednesday night with a chance to go to the Elite Eight in the state tournament.
1: Well, uh, congrats on making it that far, and obviously uh, best of luck as you hopefully close this thing out with yet another banner. I know you're building a little John Wooden dynasty over there at Livesey, so uh, keep keep on keeping on with that. But in the midst of this scouting and um, all your winning success, unfortunately, Kentucky – uh, was unable to continue its winning ways with its four-game winning streak coming to an end uh, with a 77-68 home loss against the Kansas Jayhawks. A game that, uh, Sean, everything was building up to that moment. The Rupp Arena crowd. I have not seen anything like that since easily before you know COVID started. And uh, I mean, students there at 8 a.m., 6 a.m., something like that, 12 hours before the game started. Uh, I mean. Every single seat in the entire venue filled an hour before the game started. You had all the celebrities, all the big-time recruits. We got Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham there at the opening uh, TV timeout. You had the number one recruit in America there, Trey Johnson. I mean, you just felt like everything was building up to this high-profile, finally break – you know, we got this breakthrough against this – you know, we've talked about quality one – quad one wins. This felt like the premier win to to finally kind of – Turn that corner as we kind of go down the home stretch of the season, uh, and and the cash just couldn't get it done. Sean, they they were in position. They kept cl- clawing right back. Uh, it got down to one a couple times, two a couple times. Even I mean, they was still right there in the thick of things with two minutes left in the game, but uh, they they just weren't able to make the big shots that Kansas was able to, able to make, and it resulted in a, a, a nine point home loss uh, to end the winning streak. Sean, I know uh, this, this is one we were very excited about. This is one we were optimistic about, uh, but they were just unable to get the job done. Your initial thoughts on the loss?
0: It, to me, it's, it, it might be the, the biggest wasted opportunity of all the ones that they've had just because it was on their home court. Uh, they had been playing good basketball, obviously, in, in league play, and the, the win at Tennessee a few weeks ago, and then building a winning streak there in, in league play and a winning streak overall. So it feels like a big wasted opportunity, given where it was in the season in late January, and and really their one of their, their their last their last chance to get something in the out of conference. So this is going to be a team that goes into March with nothing to show for out of SEC play. So I think that's the other thing about this too. Like if they they still have opportunities to to get quad one wins, and I know we'll get into that discussion here in a minute on the rundown, but. Uh, that's the last one that they had out of conference to build something was with a resume when it comes to the Kansas, the Gonzaga, the UCLA's, and they have nothing to show for there. And I think that's probably the biggest disappointing thing is when we looked at that schedule when the season started, we talked about all those opportunities out of league play to get quality wins, and now they have nothing to show for in that category.
1: Yeah, and I guess the, the frustrating the game in particular was that it just did feel so close because they, they did get the – right guys that you wanted taking the shots they were getting them and uh they weren't making them obviously cj frederick goes over five from three jacob Toppin and over one he's not the guy that you want taking threes but just going on the list of of guys who weren't able to make shots antonio reeves oh for three chris Livingston oh for one case and is the only guy that made a single three pointer in the entire game he goes two for three from deep uh the team as a whole finishes two for 13 while. You have, you know, Kansas's best players making the big shots at the end of the game, and it just kind of felt like the difference between a program that is right there on the cusp of, you know, even coming off a three-game losing streak like Kansas was that that felt like a team that had the pieces to, you know, hit the big shot in March. You know, that the, the pieces that they, they, they were ready for that moment it just didn't feel like Kentucky was. It, it sucked because – That's what C.J. Frederick was brought in to do, was to make those big shots. That's what Antonio Reeves was brought in to do, to make those big shots. And uh, it just sucks that the moment was on the line. And and I think there was a a shot quality chart that came out um, that that referenced uh, just the level of of shot attempts that Kentucky was taking. I think um, shot quality was the the service that put it out. And Kentucky had a shot quality score of 67.5 compared to 66.7 for Kansas. Uh, putting the win probability for the Cats at 53% considering the type of shots that that Kentucky was able to get. But they weren't able to make them while Kansas was able to, and it resulted in a nine-point loss.
0: Yeah, and I know I think Friday night when we recorded, I called this a must-win game for both teams because I thought Kansas was reeling with that losing streak that they had, and Kentucky was searching for something to add to its resume and to kind of keep them on track and and build some momentum going into February. So Kansas is the team that ended up ultimately winning the battle there and and adding to what they've done. And and Kentucky is, to me, still firmly in a position where the next game up becomes the biggest game of the season. And we'll, we'll get into that and stuff as we move throughout the show too. But I feel like Kentucky's reached a point now entering February here well, obviously, they have one more game but before you get into to the month of February. But when you get to that point, it feels like Kentucky's playing its biggest game of the season every single night. Because when it comes to what they have on their resume, there's not a lot there. There is a bad loss to South Carolina, and you can't afford anything else that could be bad on Selection Sunday. They need a lot of good. So uh, there's a lot of big basketball games coming up for Kentucky, regardless if there's a number or ranking beside the opponent or not. Like, these are all must-win games coming up.
1: Yeah and and you know Bill Self kind of mentioned it after the game said this was like their version of Tennessee you know Kentucky's version of Tennessee uh when we kind of had no choice but to go down to Knoxville and win that game they very similar situation they were in the midst of a, i think a, an eight game stretch where seven of those games were against ranked opponents several of them in the top 10 and it was weird that Kentucky was the easiest <laughs> game on their on, on, during that stretch because rubber, of, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, any other year, that would be easily the, the hardest by far, but uh, it was just kind of the, the fact of the matter for them is that they kind of had their backs up against the wall and said, look, we have no choice but to go into Rupp Arena and win that game, and uh, you do feel good because Kentucky had a chance late, and, and I guess my thought is I don't feel any different about this team as I did when they were coming out of the Vanderbilt wind, like just in terms of long-term, like what this team is, like I I still feel like the offense is getting better. I feel like they're getting the shots that we're looking for that we weren't earlier in the year. I feel like the the offense is running uh, a lot more. It's just more cohesive and things are running more, more fluidly than they, than they did before. So that leaves me a little bit, you know, not that the sky is falling and the the ground is breaking underneath our feet, uh, but it's still just concerning that we are approaching February and we're still having inconsistencies with the lineup. We're having in, inconsistencies with, you know, one night a guy's going to go two for three, four for five, you know, something it, exactly what you're looking for from deep. And then the next night they're going to go zero for five, zero for six, zero for seven, and that's the stuff that leads to early tournament exits. And, and that's that is what concerns me. But I still think that this team's getting better. It just sucks that uh, they don't have much to show for it as of right now. Now they're, their backs are against the wall, just like uh, Kansas was during their three-game losing streak. They have no choice but to go down to Oxford on Tuesday and win that game.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's that's the thing. That's where I was coming from, that the, the biggest game on the schedule is the next game. And it's going to be that way to me for the rest of the year for Kentucky, given the situation that they put themselves in. Now, the, the lo- losing to Kansas doesn't – that's not going to take you off the bubble. That's not going to cause you to miss the NCAA tournament in itself the loss to south carolina is the one that it's going to stand out here in about a month so i thought that saturday was an opportunity to kind of erase that and wipe it out because essentially the win at tennessee is kind of a push now because you still have the south carolina loss on your resume so i was hoping that they could get the one against kansas to kind of get them back into the quad one category and to kind of get a leg up and kind of get away from that loss to south carolina but um Kentucky's going to have opportunities. They still got quad one games. They have a few at Rupp Arena, they have some on the road. But they better start stringing some together or it could get very interesting here because this is a resume that is still missing. Like there's there's nothing there that's making that when you look at Kentucky and you see that they're playing better basketball, I agree with you. The offense and things that it, it is improving. I don't feel like this is a team that's going to kind of spiral and go out of control because of this loss. I think they're going to get back to their winning ways and stuff this week. But it's just they didn't they haven't done enough to solidify anything yet to where you can't drop another one. You can't let one loss turn into two Tuesday night at all miss. You have got to get back in the win column, get a road win, regroup, and then get on another win streak here. And they still have a winning streak in SEC play. That's still a thing. So they're playing well in the league. Keep that going, keep winning league games, keep climbing that ladder. And then just try to string something together here. That way, when you get into mid-February and you get some more of these quad one opportunities against Tennessee and uh, Auburn and all these other teams and stuff coming up, you get to a certain point to where you can get a couple of wins there. Then you can get yourself firmly in the NCAA tournament because to me, the key is right now is regardless of seeding. Like this isn't a Kentucky team where I worry about they need to be a four, or they need to be a six, or they need to be a seven or eight. Honestly, Jack, I think this is a team where you just want to make the tournament and then be playing
1: your best basketball. Yeah, and there was so much, you know, talk individually about this game and and, uh, how things unfolded, and and the the wait to get to the basketball Benny lineup, and uh, you know, maximizing versatility. How Chris Livingston was being used—that was a a huge topic of conversation afterward. John Calipari being pretty outspoken that uh, he got that one wrong, thinking that Chris needed to play more and incorporating him more at the four. And we talked. Uh, Last episode about, you know, some of the identity crisis issues with this team and not knowing what each kid is and what they're what they need to be to put this team in in their their best position. What did you think of uh, just kind of how the lineups were used and, uh, you know, getting things started? Chris gets hot eight quick points to open the game really get used the way he needs to be used. And uh, what we've been kind of preaching from the beginning, I mean, part of it was at the three, but another part was, was at the four as well, but really it was about getting him in open space, getting him to kind of get a full head of steam underneath him, where he can have opportunities to drive to the basket and score around the rim and, you know, finish through physicality and toughness and, uh, and things like that—that—that that, that is kind of his bread and butter. That's what made him a five-star McDonald's All-American. We finally got to see that breakthrough with him, and then he gets one minute in the second half. John Calipari, pretty, uh, you know, adamant, saying, "I had to take him out because they were doubling Oscar, and uh, you know, they don't trust or you know, believe that Chris Livingston's going to make a shot from three, So they were leaving him wide open while Oscar was getting double teamed down low, and it really kind of threw a wrench into things. Uh, There for us late, so he felt the need to kind of you know go smaller and and take Chris out of the game. Uh, What did you think of of just the lineups in general and the timing of how individual guys were used? I know Xavier Wheeler again polarizing player who uh, when he got inserted in things kind of got south a little bit. I don't. I'm certainly not putting the blame on him for the loss, but uh, again it's just kind of one of those coincidence type deals where when he got put back in, that's where some of the issues kind of crept back in. Uh, just your thoughts on, on what you saw from, you know, put on your coaching hat. What, what did you see from a coach's perspective? I, I was really pleased in the first half with what they
0: got out of Chris Livingston. Like, that was that was beautiful. The The finish there early, the, the two-foot finish, the pro hop into the lane in the basket was one of the strongest moves I think that we've seen from him in his short time at Kentucky so far. And I, I was a little disappointed that he didn't get any run there in the second half because, Jack, from from what I'm seeing – I feel like for Kentucky to reach its ceiling when it comes to to march, whether that be SEC tournament or what, I'm starting to think that Chris Livingston has to be a part of that. Like the these two freshmen that I've been talking about when it comes to potential, two of the guys on this roster that have the most potential of anyone is probably Casey Wallace and Chris Livingston, just given their age and their development process and how much they can they can add and stuff and how much they can improve. Jacob Toppin is who he is. Xavier Wheeler is who he is. Even Oscar Chibwe is who he is. The two dudes on the roster that aren't, that play minutes, would be the two freshmen. And I feel like that Kentucky finding a way to get Chris more involved and play more minutes has to be a a good thing for for their success and what they're doing late in the season. I I think just getting him on the floor. And I know I grouped them together position-wise the other day. I said him and Jacob, instead of getting when it comes to roles – each individual person grouping them together and I thought the difference in the game early was Chris and Jacob making shots and making high energy plays and being aggressive and Kentucky's pace that they were playing with Jack in the first 10 to 12 minutes of the game was one of the best paces they had had all season and then I felt like they kind of gone away from that and then we didn't get to see much of the the lineup and stuff that everybody wants to see and I, I just feel like that Kansas took advantage of a lot of Kentucky's weaknesses. They killed Kentucky in pick and roll, specifically Oscar Chibwe in pick and roll. It was side ball screen. It was middle ball screen. I thought it was a game where not only did Kansas have the better game plan, but they also hit the shots too to make the difference late in the game. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Cal done some different things lineup wise. I would have loved to have seen like Chris in there more in the second half and you need you need your energy guys and i think finding a way to get chris involved more and make his role bigger is going to be one of the differences in whether this team kind of peaks at, at the right time or whether it doesn't i just think that those two freshmen have the the most upside of anyone on the roster and you got to find a way even if you have to force it whether it be the 3 or the 4 just get him on the floor
1: yeah another opportunity another I guess time that Jacob Toppin finishes uh, with a team high in field goal attempts, which I just do not think is a recipe for success for this team. He goes 14 points, uh, 6 of 11 shooting, 2 for 4 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, Big issue with him was that that he just wasn't rebounding to start the game, and that was a serious issue. I mean, overall – Kentucky getting out rebounded in this game was just unacceptable. This is a team that was known for being soft inside and not having that physicality in, in, inside, and definitely not the depth. And uh, this was seen as a game that Oscar Sheboy had to have video game numbers. Like this was one of those games that it, there was not a matchup for him, uh, in, at least one on one, for for, you know, Kansas to shut him down. And, it, you know, as crazy as it sounds, an 18.9 rebound, four uh, assist game for Oscar Sheboy, it just wasn't enough. And, and it's, it's, it's stupid that we even have to get to that point where an 18-9 and game uh, is kind of like a letdown for what this team needs right now. And it's just a testament to show that the other guys just aren't stepping up when they're necessary. And it, it just kind of goes back to this team's message, Cal's message. Chin Coleman had a pretty strong quote. Uh, last week about it saying that we don't need every uh, you know we don't need any individual player to be great we just need everybody to do their job and be good and if everybody is good then we can be a special team I mean they they continue to use the term special that this is this still is a special roster with uh, with with national title dreams and you know they think it's realistic on their end but you can't have you know 18 and 9 from Oscar and you know even Jacob at fourteen and four, he was solid offensively and made you know solid shots. I like the way he was attacking early and you know finishing around the basket. But uh, he wasn't enough on, on the on the glass, and he was pretty hard on himself. I asked him you know about his his rebounding after the game, and he said I just wasn't good enough in that area. That's why Cal put Chris in so so much to start the game, and then went away from him late. And you know because I was rebounding a little bit better, uh, but that was a point of emphasis with Cal saying Chris needed to be in there because he would have fought on the glass and. Um, you know, CJ Frederick, two points, one of eight shooting. That's just not going to get the job done. Sabir Wheeler, two points, one of two shooting. Not going to get the job done. Um, you know, it just you, you need more. Kason Wallace did enough. I, you know, you, you'd argue that Oscar Sheboy did enough uh, on on paper, but you know, even still, six of those eighteen points came at the free throw line. Uh, he was getting hacked, and you know, when when you're getting doubled and triple team down there, they were trapping him. Uh, basically, on every single touch, you got to figure out ways to get the get the ball to your shooters, and they got to be able to make shots. It's just uh, just a really significant letdown performance, Sean. That uh, it was a, a perfect example of not everybody doing their part to kind of be all in on a victory. Yeah, and
0: when it comes to talking about roles and doing your job, that's a good thing. If everybody's doing their job, and it may be a small, single job, like cj fredericks is to make shots and antonio Reeves is to make shots oscars is to to rebound and be a force down low then you got case wallace who's emerging into kentucky's most talented best player superstar whatever you want to call him the one thing that concerns me about this team is if they if they do put it together and it comes down to and they're in that ncaa tournament what's the one thing jack that it's the common denominator between final four teams, national championship teams, these teams that actually are a threat to win a championship. When you get into tournament play, guard play carries you. Like yeah. we see it all the time. Like the teams that have the best guard play, they end up in the final four playing for a national championship. You go back to last year's final four and, and the things that those teams were doing and, and, and those teams and obviously uh, the upsets and things you see in the NCAA tournament from some of the, the underdogs and Cinderella stories, it's because they got really good guards that can make shots and, and do things and break you down. Right now, when it comes to Kentucky's backcourt, I question anything outside of Kaysen Wallace. I think Kaysen's going to end up being that guy by the end of the year, that consistent piece that's going to be a star. Uh, the other guys, I feel like at times, have too many moments where they don't show up, especially in big games. They'll, You know, C.J. has had his had his moments, but he's also had his moments where he can't hit shots in some of the biggest games. Antonio's obviously had his moments as well. Uh, we know Savir struggles. I think I'm worried more about the backcourt figuring it out together when it comes to tournament time than I am anything else about the roster.
1: Yeah. And just lineups, I'm just concerned. What do you do? You know, why go away from case and Wallace when he is finding the success that, that he is at the beginning of the game and, and, you know, putting Xavier in and when you put him in and Antonio Reyes and CJ Frederick aren't making shots even the basketball Benny lineup that that's not working and then you try to incorporate Chris Livingston and figure out where he's going to be do you put him at the 3 do you put him at the 4 and it got to the point where we were seeing lineups with Xavier Uh, Lance Ware and there was a, a, maybe Chris Livingston. I know there was an awkward three main group there uh, where, but I I just was left scratching my head there at the end of the first half thinking like, why why did we even get to this point? We went away from what was working that that first 10 minute stretch. uh, It it just, it just felt like, like they were fighting. Everything was exactly uh, trending the direction that we were waiting for. And it just felt like the wheels fell off and, uh, and they were never, never able to recover. The, The fight was there. Uh, just on the surface level, but man, it just, when, when it came time to hit the dagger shots, it, when it came time to respond, you know, get a big defensive stop, the, the defensive stops just weren't there. They got absolutely cooked in the pick and roll once again. And it, at what point, Sean, uh, is that something that needs to get seriously addressed? And, and how do you address that? And, and I, I'm genuinely, genuinely curious your thoughts on that as well, because uh, it just felt like every chance there was to either hit the big shot on the offensive end or get the big stop on the defensive end. Uh, the, the team was just not willing to show up when Kansas was. And, and again, it just feels like the difference between a good team and a great team. Yeah. And uh, the, the the thing with what
0: Kansas did, Kansas and, and Bill Self's one of the best in the game. Like Bill Self makes adjustments at the right times. He's one of the best in the game at throwing. I mean, how many times have we watched Bill Self coach teams throw a triangle into at the under eight media timeout in the second half that just throws a team out of rhythm? It, it's been it's happened to Kentucky. It's happened to North Carolina. To here, hey, it, in it's Florida. happened to the best of the best when it comes to to coaches. But I thought that the way that they they scheme things and 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 stuff there in the first half and in the second half they they'd go some of those empty side ball screens and it would just put Kentucky in a pinch where guys weren't there on the tag. And then one time it was Xavier Wheeler coming over to tag and he's not going to make a play there. It ended up being an animal. He's he's too small to tag on a big running to the rim. Uh, I don't know if, if I would love to see, and he's not going to do it. I would love to see Cal mix some zone in here and there just to kind of change the flow. He's not going to do it though. But even if it's just for maybe three straight trips, just to change it up and just make something, whether maybe you start blitzing some of these ball screens, I don't know, like yeah. just anything, just ch- change up your ball screen coverage. I know Kentucky plays a lot of drop coverage. They, 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 they do some different things, but anything to mix up how you play, that way you're not so predictable in what you're doing. I thought Kansas had their their way with whatever they wanted to do offensively, especially when it came to putting Oscar Shibwe in those ball screens. Now, that's something that has shown up on film. They've played over the top of Oscar. They've attacked Oscar. Anytime you can get Oscar involved in a ball screen, and that's going to be something that I think you're going to see, especially some of these other teams in the league, go to. How many screens per trip can you get Oscar involved in in ball screen coverage? If you can get to two, you're probably feeling pretty good about getting a good shot. That has to improve because I don't care if he's giving you 19 and 12. If you can't defend, what's the 19 and 12 good for?
1: Yeah, you're giving up 19 and, and what one offensive, how many and, offensive two. rebounds did he have? I mean, it, and And that's
0: where I would love to see him just, even if it's just 10 possessions of zone a game, just throw something out there out of a timeout, out of a media timeout, out of a dead ball situation, just mix it up and do something. I mean, he's the one that's getting paid $9 million to do his job there. But I'm just saying, if you're having some trouble, just throw something different. And if they bury a three on you, so what? They're killing you in pick and roll. Like, you're, you're not getting any stops there. Like, this is a team that, They've got to figure those things out. They've got to go to the film. But that's going to continue to be something that teams are going to go to. They're not going to go uh, and just spread you out and drive you. They're going to put Kentucky in pick-and-roll situations. And it's not like Kentucky's not communicating and talking on that stuff. I just think that that's just necessarily an area where some of these bigs and stuff struggle, especially Oscar. He struggled with that not just
1: this year. He struggled with that last year, too. Mm Mm-hmm. A common theme in the in the comment section, something I thought about while the game was going on, you had a do go into Knoxville, go into Thompson Bowling Arena and fight his absolute butt off down there and was a he very, to, right? a, a, a key contributor in that win. And we don't see him since then. And with so many guard issues and, you know, like in this game in particular, Kentucky's not getting a shot to fall and yeah, you know Wheeler is okay but not you know not terrible but not great not a a massive contributor in that game I, I just go back to that game in Knoxville and it's like Adu has proven time and time again that that he can contribute on this team that he is a guy that again he's going to give it a, a 110% every single time he steps on the floor he's going to make mistakes and he's going to make mistakes at, at, you know at full speed but the, the good almost always outweighs the bad when he's on the floor. And we saw that, you know, a prime example of that at, at Tennessee. And uh, in a game like this one in particular, it's just like, how, how do you not at least say, all right, here's five minutes. Show me. Just just show me. You, you're you're outspoken. You, if you follow his dad on Twitter, they're absolutely outspoken about needing more minutes and and <laughs> being frustrated about not getting enough playing time. So, I mean, it's, it's not just hearing things from behind the scenes. It's very certain, like very – Readily available for you to know that there, there's frustration there, uh, but I, I just don't know how you don't see a kid that's just just itching for that possibility, it, itching for that opportunity, saying I, I need it. Like let's go make this happen, and, and them not willing to to give well, him that chance. It's just like man, I, a lot of comments about why is Ado not not in the game. What what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you this: uh, majority of the time that we have seen him in the appearances that he's made, he performed going all the way back to the Bahamas going to the blue white game to some of those early season moments. And then especially at Tennessee, that's a guy that when his number has been called upon and, and some of the most crucial moments he he's performed. And I mean, he's knocked down a couple of shots there at times. Uh, he's a big bodyguard. He can defend, he can grab some rebounds. He'll, he'll make some plays for you. I, I think that you got to give him a look. Like it's not like this is an undefeated Kentucky team or a team that's sitting in the top 10 right now and everything's going their way. Like, Try something different. I mean, Cal has obviously saw the light and changed things with the way that he plays Xavier Wheeler. So why not go elsewhere and try something with the dude? Because right now, Kentucky just needs a spark. It it needs another option, somebody that's capable of doing some things. And uh, why not? I mean, when he played that well on the road in Knoxville, and, and remember, I made this comment that day that I was curious to see, or it was right after that, I was curious to see what the rotation would look like because that day Cal had no choice but to play some of those guys because there was no Wheeler and you know, guys were out and, and not available to play a, a lot of minutes, so they had to go to a do. But then now that everybody's kind of back and you've, you've got options and everybody's healthy, you don't seem that that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you Cal's got to have the confidence to play some of these guys and give them some opportunities, not just when he's in a pinch and has to go to them. Because he delivered that day in Knoxville. He didn't blow up the stat sheet, but he also didn't blow up things with what you were trying to do in game plan-wise. He was solid, played a lot of minutes, was stable, and he got the job done in the toughest environment that Kentucky has played in this year. Like, that Tennessee's a legit Final Four contender.
1: I guess the concern is, this team is going to come down to whether they make shots or not. And it's just a, a, a scary position because I don't trust the in game adjustments to, to make up the make up for those deficiencies. I, I don't yeah. trust that call to go, all right, well, this isn't working. We got to go with a do. We got to, you know, we, we got to get Ugo to come in and, and get a stop or two. Like we, you know, we need, uh, you know, Lance, Weir to provide the physicality and stuff. And, and, you know, you, you do got to have to give credit to, you know, Cal, for seeing the, uh, the, the mindset of, okay, well, they're double teaming uh, 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 Oscar every time, you know, Chris Livingston's in the game, they're willing to give him that shot. So therefore we need to make that change. Like that's, that's technically on uh, uh, an adjustment, but Sean, you from a coach's perspective, how do you not see that and say, okay, well, Chris Livingston is at his best when, you know, he is an attacker when he is able to finish in traffic and through contact how do you see a guy that's not guarded at the three-point line where he has a clear driving lane to the basket and, and not use that as an opportunity to take advantage of, not as one that you have to go away from? I guess that was kind of my, my well, concern watching that unfold is that he made the adjustment, but I just don't think it was the right adjustment.
0: Well, and and you've mentioned a moment ago that it comes down to Kentucky's guys hitting shots, and that's what this season's going to come down to is whether or not CJ Frederick makes threes and Antonio Reeves hits shots like that. I think, I believe that Kentucky will live and die by that. So when it comes to the basketball beating lineup and the lineup everybody likes, I I think that we're going to get to a point to where that's going to have to be the lineup that plays. Is you're going to have to have Kaysen at the one with those two shooters, and then whoever's playing the four, whether it's Jacob or whether you go with Chris, and then Oscar. Uh, I think that that's going to have to be the lineup when Kentucky gets into its most crucial and critical moments of the season, whether that be in a game tomorrow in in Oxford or whether that's a game a month from now in the SEC tournament or if they make it to the NCAA tournament and they're fighting for their lives on the first weekend. Like, I think that's what it's going to come down to is having to play those guys and whether those two make shots or not. And they're going to have to make shots. Um, Another thing that could help, though, when it comes to Chris and the way that, you know, the, the scheme and the way teams are doubling Oscar if Kentucky's defense can improve and they can get stops, then those stops lead to transition opportunities where I think Chris is at his best, is downhill and, and pushing the pace. And you saw that early in the game, Kaysen getting the ball out of his hands early and these other guards getting the ball out of their hands early. Kentucky's got to be a tempo team that I think pushes the tempo and pushes the pace. Like, this isn't a team that I think is going to be able to grind you out offensively and win a lot of games because I think outside of Kaysen, they don't have the guard play that can kind of co-create their own and and get some of those shots. They need those two shooters to knock down shots. They need Kaysen to be a star, and they need Oscar to do his thing. Like I, I just think that this team needs to get as many easy baskets as it can and somehow mold itself into one of the better defensive teams in the SEC in college basketball before it's too late. Now, is that a possibility? I don't know. But that feels like the recipe for this team to succeed is to get easy baskets off Oscar Sheba's offensive rebounds, running the floor, knocking down shots with those two shooters. This season will sink or swim on C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves making shots. That's the reason you brought them in, right? That's the reason they're on their roster. There's there's not a Shaden Sharp that was supposed to be on this roster initially that can kind of go get
1: his own. I'm sorry to bring up. Bad topics and things. Well, it's funny that there was actually a comment from Andrew Lachine who says, "If only we had Shaden Sharp."
0: Bingo! Yeah, and then then it's problem solved because then what you got is you got Kason and Shaden, but they don't have Shaden. They have two guys that are shooters, and if they make shots, Kentucky's going to have a chance to beat anyone. If they don't, Kentucky can lose to anyone, and that's just part of, it. like that's where Kentucky stands. The margin for error to me is very – it's razor thin with this team. It is. And I. this is a team that when it's all going right, I think can beat anyone in college basketball. I truly believe that. Even though we haven't seen it play out, they've had their opportunities. They just didn't make the shots to do it. But if they don't make shots, they could lose to anyone too. That's not the game you want to be playing when you line up and play on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and especially on Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday here in about six weeks.
1: Yeah. Devin Anderson says, serious question. Why do we need to work on pick and roll defense two days away from February? It's – it, man, it, it just does feel like that. It just it, – it's it's a scary thing to think about. And I think you hit the nail on the head to, to just know that this entire season comes down to – if 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 they just decide to make shots on any given night, like they, this season will come down to if, if CJ Frederick can get hot or if Antonio Reeves goes nuclear, twenty three points and, in the game. And or
0: whatever. Any like, and any beat rider covered any team in college basketball could probably make that same comment about their team, but I don't think Kentucky can beat good teams if those two don't make shots. In the past, Kentucky's had guys if they didn't shoot the ball well, they could still grind out games. They could post you up, they could make some plays. They had a point guard that could that was dynamic and, and do some stuff. This team's like a, I just feel like the margin for error is super thin, Jack, to where if everything's going right, then we're all smiling and having a good time. But if one if one of those things goes wrong, Kentucky could still lose a game. If both of them aren't knocking down shots, Kentucky's in serious trouble. Case yeah, can be the caveat- only
1: guy hitting a three. Yeah, and the only caveat to that is if Oscar Sheboy goes for thirty-seven and twenty-four, which again. Yeah. <laughs> You you it's so stupid that we even have to have that mindset of well, at least you got a superhero down low that can you, you know, go go put up video game numbers on any given night. It's like, yeah, it's a great luxury to have, and it's 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 an unbelievable crutch that a lot of teams would just absolutely die to have, but it sucks that other players can get so cold and be such a non-factor on this team. That even an 18 and nine night for Oscar Sheebweight isn't enough. It, yep. It's uh it's it's a, a really scary position to be in when we are a month. And Cal said that after the game. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. We we have plenty of time. Well, do you? Like, I mean, we're one month away from March Madness. Like, do or do we really have a lot of time? Because
0: you don't want to get into that SEC tournament having to win three games. You don't. Yeah. Not this year and this is a this is a team that you want to be off the bubble going into Nashville and let's face it they're they're not off there's they're still in danger zone
1: like i thought i think, I I I thought I think Joe Lenardi's, yeah his latest update had kentucky as the last one of the last four teams in which you know uh, the danger how of that how often, are we there? how often are we there in that circumstance
0: well you know the danger of that you know you, you have bid stealers yeah. You have these teams that win these these win conferences and then they steal a bid, or something like that. Like you don't want to be on that graphic at the end of the year where you're the last four in. Obviously, you're more comfortable being one of the the projected one, seed, four one seeds, but you do not want to be on that graphic where you're last four in or first four out because you're flirting with disaster because that bubble shrinks right. Like that last four in might become last three in when it comes to a team still in a bid. So you you want to be off that and that's where I'm coming from. That Just do enough to get in. Do enough to leave no doubt on Selection Sunday that when you're sitting there on the couch or whether they're in Nashville celebrating an SEC championship, it doesn't matter, that you know, hey, like, if you win an SEC championship, you obviously don't have to worry about it. But let's say that they make it to semifinal Saturday and lose or something like that. You want to know, like, okay, cool, we're probably somewhere in the ballpark of a 7 to 10 seed. We're in. That's fine. Like, this just feels like a a year where you just get in and, and play. Like, I think when you look around college basketball, like, there's not though to me there's not those crazy teams that are just unbeatable like I think Kentucky can line up and, and beat anyone that they play if, if all those things that we talk about are going well uh, but I also feel like this is a team that can line up and play a 14 seed or a 13 seed or a 15 seed and possibly lose like that's just the reality of, of what we're dealing with here I don't think it's a terrible Kentucky basketball team I just don't think it's a great Kentucky basketball team either
1: Looking ahead a little bit, Kentucky heads to Oxford tomorrow to take on Ole Miss. Um, That is a quad two opportunity for the Cats. And then follow that up with another quad two against Florida at home on Saturday. Uh, Then a quad one against uh, Arkansas the following Tuesday. A quad two on the road at Georgia the following Saturday. Then a quad one at home against Mississippi State. Quad one. Um, or on the road at Mississippi State Quad One at home against Tennessee uh, Quad One on the road at Florida uh, and then you get a Quad Two against Auburn uh, Quad Three at or, or versus Vanderbilt and then one, uh, Quad One to end the regular season at Arkansas. So still technically uh, five more Quad One opportunities on the schedule. But uh, how many are, how
0: many of those are on the road?
1: Three um, or two. One, two of them. Three of them are on on the road. And then you have
0: Tennessee coming into Rupp Arena, who's going to want revenge, right? That's a scary
1: position to be in. It it is.
0: Like, uh, that's what I'm getting at. Like, so out of those five games, it feels like a Kentucky team that now this is the catch. you got to win all your quad twos, quad threes. You can't lose any of those. And then I think if they win three of those, they're probably in. If you lose one of those quad twos or whatever's coming up, and then you only win two of those quad ones, then you're probably having to do some work in the SEC tournament. Like, Kentucky – to me, Kentucky needs to play perfect basketball outside of the quad one and then find a way to win probably three of those quad one games.
1: And I think then you're
0: safely in.
1: Hmm. Dangerous, dangerous position. Let's go on and answer some of these questions from the fans. If you have any questions, uh, be sure to leave them in the comment section. It's been a blast the last couple of shows. You guys have just been going crazy with uh, the number of questions and comments and concerns that you guys have had. So uh, keep that uh, keep that up. Um, John P. Ryan asks, do you feel that UK has not done a good job in talent evaluation in the portal? Feels like Cal needs to go after more talented kids uh, the way he has in the 23 class um, what, what do you think of that? What, what do you think of the the, the evaluation in, in that aspect?
0: Well, honestly, like I, I think it's hard to evaluate right now because the only portal piece that was added to this roster was Antonio Reeves. Like the the other portal pieces were added when they had to go to the portal well, after the COVID year with Sabir and, and CJ and, and all those and all those pieces. So I think that they've done an okay job evaluating that talent because we have to keep in mind that at one point the nucleus of this roster was good enough to get Kentucky a two seed and to be ranked in the top ten at one point last year and one of the, the favorites to make it to a Final Four when the NCAA tournament started a year ago. Uh, I do think that getting back to getting the best of the best in the high score route, which is what they have coming in, is what you want the blueprint to be. And then you go add to your roster from the portal – what you need. Uh, I would evaluate it and say that they've done an okay job. I mean, they have the reigning national player of the year, who was a transfer piece. But it feels like some guys, like CJ had a lot more success at Iowa than he's had in Lexington. Is that because of injury? Is that because of the way he's being used? Is that because he's being pigeonholed into just being a spot-up shooter? I, I don't know. Like Kansas did an excellent job covering him, by the way. I thought, Mm -hmm. and he did, I mean, he did miss some shots and stuff, but uh, I would say I'm okay with what they've done from the portal. I don't think you're going to see Cal or Kentucky become a program that's lenient on the portal moving forward. I just don't think that that's going to be the blueprint that they want. I think this has just been a a transition period for that lasted more than one year. And I think they're going to break that streak here going into next year where they maybe add one or two guys from the portal ever offseason, but I don't think you're ever going to see it to the point where they add five. I mean, that that after the COVID year, they had to add a lot of guys. We expected when that happened that a lot of these guys would do what, Jack, be back mm-hmm. and be multi-year guys at Kentucky. I don't think that they've necessarily failed in what they in and what they went after in the portal, but like you you gotta know that when you go get someone, and this is no knock, when you go get a guy from Illinois State, Antonio Reese played at Illinois State for a reason. For three years when you go I mean Jacob Toppin was at Rhode Island for a reason. I mean you yeah. it's not like you're pulling you know Armando Baycott from North Carolina or you're pulling one of the elite of the elites from a blue blood program. Like mm-hmm. the Sabir was the point guard at Georgia. Like they're good players they're not I just don't see NBA level talents when you're coming from the portal. And I think Cal has been a guy that's leaned on the NBA level talent throughout his career. And that's not a bad thing. He's had a lot of success with it.
1: Yeah, that's what John P. Ryan says. I feel like UK has too many players from losing programs, Wheeler, Reeves, topping in. And I think Reeves is a little bit different just, just in terms of, um, you know, he was a superstar at the previous stop. And if you adjust your expectations from there – I don't think he was ever meant to be a twenty-point per game scorer the way he was there. I think that he was brought in to be like, well, if he's a twenty-point per game scorer at Illinois State, if he could give you twelve here, you know, go give you a quick ten. If if he if he could have been the Davion Mintz of this year's team in terms of just this, you know, quick scoring production like that, I think that would have been fine. Uh, but I, I do understand, you know, the the. Jacob Toppin and and Cyrie Wheeler. Toppin was a guy that you you wanted to be the long-term project, you know, development piece and you know and he has developed quite a bit but I yeah. I think that that we were waiting for the explosion and I you know I think part of that is how he's being used and you know well, not putting him in positions to to succeed we, as much and you know the confidence We saw his brother and- we saw his
0: brother become an NBA draft pick too. And mm-hmm. I think we'd all be kidding ourselves if we didn't see Obi and see Jacob yeah. like we all thought it was going to be the same right like I, I I did like I thought Jacob could would play his way into possibly being a late first round draft pick or his athleticism and stuff like that and don't get me wrong I think Jacob does a lot of good things when he's playing well and he I mean he he looked good out of the gate the other night like he was aggressive he was getting to the rim he made some nice moves uh he's quick and explosive off the floor but I don't necessarily disagree when it comes to you're getting guys from losing programs. I just don't think that the, the, the talent level that we've been used to at Kentucky over the course of Cal's tenure, I don't think it's even close to where it was at one point. That's changing though. Like we, we know like, and you have to recruit what you can recruit. Like we know that next year's class coming in is not one of the strongest classes in out of high school basketball. We know that, but they did get the best of the best in that class. So everybody else is taking and getting from the same pool of players. It's not like that Duke is getting or UCLA or somebody's getting someone out of that class and they're like, oh, they're better just because they're going to UCLA. No, like you're, you're recruiting from the same pool of players. So you want to get the best of the best. Kentucky's doing it. And I think that's going to be the approach moving forward is getting back to that. Step into the world of
1: power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family
0: I just don't think that the level of talent at Kentucky has been what it should be for the last couple of years. Now, when they went through the season they had 9 and 16 a few years ago, it had to be built through the portal, Jack. We talked about that. There was no options in the high school realm for what they wanted to do. They got Tata Washington late in that period. That was a mm-hmm. blessing because if they hadn't had that, I don't know where they would have went <laughs> a year ago. So, it would have been bad. That, and it would have been. And it was the midnight hour, right, to get him. And they got him late after I
1: think, there. I think the path to success is you need the, the idea of the portal is to to add a Nate Sistina or Bingo. a Rick Travis. Bingo. A, a guy who you want to come in and be. Again, the what Antonio Reeves, I think, I was supposed it. to be it's what you need. Uh, the complimentary piece that, you know, the, even Davion Mitz, when he came in year one and he was supposed to be a star, well, that's different. But when he comes back and he's that spark plug energy guy, it's like, okay, well now you're cooking that, that at least adds up this team. It's a core of those group of people who, who Cal has not proven that like uh, that that's what, you know, he's better with NBA talent than he is with talent like this and having that be the bulk of your team That's the recipe for disaster. It it should have been switched. Instead of six portal guys and two blue chip recruits, it should have been four or five blue chip recruits and two portal guys. I think that's where this team was set back. And and people probably thought we were beyond this topic. And I'm probably going
0: to make some people mad. And I might get a comment or two here popping up. But when it happened last spring and Shaden Sharp declared for the draft and he left, you and I got on this show and we said what? You're not going to replace Shaden Sharp in the portal, and there's no option in the high school route to replace him. Yep. If he were on this team right now, I do think we'd be having a different discussion about where Kentucky is
1: because he's a adult. He, he is an he NBA is. talent that Cal, I, I, I vividly remember watching Cal watch him at Peach Jam. And having Cal basically drooling on himself, watching Shaden play, because he is, as you're watching him in the NBA right now, damn good. Like a yes. really, really yeah. good three-level scorer that he's the go-getter. God, just imagining him next to Case and Wallace, you know, that complimentary, like, yeah, I'm a defensive-minded guy, but I'm going to go get mine, too. And then Shaden being the offensive three-level scorer, I can hit a shot from 30 feet if I need to, but I can go dunk on your head as well because I have a 40-inch vertical. Like, that—that that is what this team needed, and that's what sucks. Yep, and I know there's
0: people listening to this right now that are probably wanting to turn it off because we're talking about Shaden. But you weren't going to escape the impact of him leaving. I think even you and I kind of for a moment bought in that this team would somehow dodge it and would have enough given that – well, because we what did we say? After that happened, we're like, well, Oscar's coming back. That's a huge step in the right direction for your program. And you get your Koozie Award finalist back in Sabir Wheeler, who's who's kind of, you know, honestly, is I don't want to say gone in reverse, but the the role has been changed this year because Kentucky, obviously the, the dynamic and things of not making shots. Like Kellen Grady for 90% of the season last year made threes. Davion Mintz hit threes. Kentucky's not been a consistent – three-point shooting team this season, so it's forced Wheeler into a little bit of a different role because it's harder to play a guy like that. Uh, Oscar, obviously, we said it was hard to live up to what he did a year ago, being the national player of the year. Like, I just feel like that Kentucky's kind of had a lot of things not going its favor, and I, I think that you're seeing, especially on the perimeter, that's what I was getting at earlier when it comes to guard play. If this team had a guy like Shaden Sharp to go alongside Case and Wallace, then I would put them up in the NCAA tournament to to beat anyone, but they don't have that. They have Kaysen and guys that they have to have make shots. Now, could CJ and Antonio Reeves get on a hot streak and shoot lots out in March? It's six games, Jack. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. But that's asking a lot when we haven't seen it consistently done for a stretch. So what I'm looking for here, you're getting into the last month of the year. Not a ton of games left to play. We're talking about an SEC winning streak here that's that's still active. That was an out of conference loss. You want to see at some point Kentucky play really, really good basketball for about four or five, six games in a row. And if they can do that against quality opponents, then it gives you hope that if they make it and they get into that tournament, that they can do it for a stretch. You just gotta be playing really good basketball for six in a row. And but
1: if you're, if, the margin if, yeah. for error is thin if you're looking for signs of optimism and reasons to go well, this team still has a a realistic shot it's the fact that it's not a structural issue with this team that you know ty ty hurting his ankle or kellen grady getting you you know his plantar fasciitis close out the year sabre wheeler with his whiplash issues and those you know the, the, the the structural issues that really just tanked last year's team This one is they're getting open shots and the offense is running fluidly. It's just about having can can a 47 percent career three point shooter figure out a way to knock down shots. And again, he has a splint on the back of his shooting hand on his middle finger, really kind of crushing every, you know, the, 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 the touch isn't there for him. He's really having trouble right now catching passes. Which is kind of you know messing up his shot mechanics to to get into his shot motion. And when he finally gets into the shot motion, the touch isn't there. So that is that is an issue right now that he's you know very close to being I think where I don't know if maybe even against Ole Miss that, that splint will be gone, but it, it's on the home stretch of being gone regardless. That's a positive. And at minimum, you have Antonio Reeves, who has the ultimate green light in his head. He is not a nervous shooter, he's at least a no. guy who is confident as hell to go get his own shot. Uh, we saw him hit several from the mid range. He's kind of become that Emmanuel quickly, at least from the you know the floater aspect and things like that. If you're looking for a positive, I'd rather have to rely on a career 47 percent three point shooter figuring out a way to make open shots by the end of the season more so than recovering from you know a kid having a, a high ankle sprain or you know something like that. That that's something I'm at least holding on to. That I agree, you, the shots have to start falling at some point, but there is at least well, a little bit of a sample size for that for, for that to happen to close out the year.
0: There is, and I, and I think that this is a team, when it comes to shooting a three, this is where I group these guys into the same spot, like Jacob and Chris. And I grouped C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves into the same role. To me, it needs to be a combined. Those, those two got to combine to make five or six threes a game every single night. Mm-hmm. With the number of minutes that they play, You have to get five or six threes a game from those two collectively. Let Kaysen throw in one or two, and then this is a team that's averaging eight, nine makes a game from three. And then I think that some of that margin for error, you get a little bit more. You just got to get some type of consistency. You can't have CJ go 0-4. You can't have Antonio go 0-4. you got to have guys that can consistently make shots. They don't have to shoot 45% from three combined. They just got to make a few. If you remember in Knoxville, they made a few.
1: They sure did. Let's start wrapping this thing up. A couple of the questions from, from the feed. Um, I'll go rapid fire with them and we'll get out of here. Um, Lucas Ray, do you like the idea of a lineup of Oscar Livingston Reeves, Frederick Wallace? Absolutely. I think that is love the winning it. formula and I, I think that's, that's going to be the one. Uh, moving forward, John P. Ryan latest on player decisions. I think it is too early for that, but I do think we will see Savier out. I think Antonio is a 50-50 right now. They're, I think UK wants him back, and they're going to to recruit him back. Uh, so that'll be a big one. I think Toppin and Livingston will likely be gone. I think Kaysen's gone. I think Oscar is probably closer to a 50-50 right now, but I, I still think when push comes to shove, he'll end up going pro. Um, just, you know – at some point your pro clock starts ticking louder and louder and you know it's time to take a step forward and, and you know with ugo coming back and aaron bradshaw coming in at the five next year i think that that's pretty pretty clear turnover coming um from there but uh, i think as of right now i still don't know what's gonna happen with lance that's gonna be an interesting one he may be a guy that randomly decides he wants to get some shots and actual minutes at a, a smaller school next year. I don't know about that, but feeling pretty confident about the rest of those gr- rest of those guys. Uh, but I do think that we'll see as the year kind of progresses, inching closer to the finish line. We'll see, uh, get a little bit more clarity on that. Um, Let's Talk Kentucky Sports says, can you talk about the recruitment of Trey Johnson to Hod Pettiford, Boogie Flan, Travis Perry, Carter Knox, and Flory Bedunga? uh, and your prediction on who will – who will get in that class? Can't go super in depth on all of them, but Trey Johnson visit went in a couple other visits about trade uh questions about Trey Johnson's visit. That went very well. Uh, Kentucky likes where where it stands there. Uh Baylor, I think everybody is pretty convinced that they are the the strongest um um, uh, you, you know opponent matchup for Kentucky in that one. Texas is looming. Uh it just really depends on what happens with their head coaching battle. That's something that Trey's camp is, you know, really looking closely at. Uh Trey is number one on Texas's recruiting board and they're going to get desperate and uh, that could play a, an impact on things, but depending on what they do with the head coaching position could change things. But I do think as of right now, it's a Kentucky, but Kentucky Baylor uh, battle with, I think the pro route slipping just a little bit um, to Hyde Pettiford will not be a Kentucky. He will not be committing to Kentucky. So don't need to talk about that one. Boogie Flan, uh, Kentucky likes him a lot. I think that they're going to, uh, kind of put him in that upper tier with with Trey Johnson of who they're prioritizing. Um, definitely a name to keep a close eye on with him in particular. Travis Perry, eh, I, I I don't see him ending up at Kentucky. I think he likes Kentucky. They, they are lukewarm on him, but I just don't. I think he'll go somewhere where he'll get more playing time early. Carter Knox, I think it's a Toss-up right now. I think Kentucky could get him if they made a big push, but I think they're waiting to see what his development is. Flory Bedunga, UK thinks they have a shot. I've heard otherwise um, nationally that that that's going to be a Cincinnati decision that he's going to go uh, play with, with uh, his former coach and where he has the connection uh, from the Indiana elite side of things at Cincinnati. So I, I think that there's a shot there. Kentucky thinks they have a shot, but I think that one's definitely a bit um, – Bit more unlikely. I think that might have covered all of the other questions um, that I'm seeing. So, with that, I think that we can probably get out of here. Well, bef- before we do that, I have a uh, quick message from our friends at MyBookie. You asked for it, and they listened. MyBookie designed a unique deposit bonus that bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quick. This is a unique deposit bonus for. Sports bettors who want to focus on what to bet and not pay a payout sweat, make your first deposit today with promo code uh, Sources Say. Uh, wager your deposit amount once, and you are eligible to cash out if you want a sports book that gives you the most for your money. Bet on the big game with my bookie, pregame, live lines, and Super Bowl props. We have the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, bet everything from the opening coin toss, the length of the national anthem, to the color of the Gatorade dump dumped on the winning coach. I can't tell you exactly who's going to win the Super Bowl, but I can tell you where I am placing my bet, and that is at my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Sean Smith, appreciate you joining us. As always, great stuff. Appreciate all the fan uh, engagement and feedback. Great stuff from from there. Uh, where can fans find your work?
0: Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. And I need everybody to be right. Livesey fans the next couple of days.
1: Go live and see get the job done. We'll uh, And then we'll get back to a, a normal sources say schedule as, as a result of that yes. as, as well. So I know fans are going to be excited for that. And I know they're going to be rooting, rooting hard for you as well. So will them to the finish line. Looking forward to hearing how uh, that unfolds. You can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email. JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. But that will be back next time for the jam-packed source say podcast. We will see you then. 18 plus.